Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 136 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fossil Forrester, and joining me in the orange sidewinder for this episode are... We have... Who have we got? We've got the head of station archives, Mr. Phoenix Fire, Mr. Colin Ford. Thank you very much. Good evening, everybody. God, it's bad. My dementia's kicking in too early. Uh, we also have the... Uh, uh, Chief Bar Steward here at Lave Station, Mr. Grant Psychocow Wilcott. Good evening. I've got a lurky. <laughs> evening, buddy. And we also have our head of um, health and safety here on Lave Station. We have Ben Moss Woodward as of Commander Edelweiss. Good evening, Fuzzer. I need to know where the heck I'm playing tonight. Okay, well, I'm going to pick up the game and we're going to jump into open and hang around the orange sidewinder and have some fun and shenanigans around there. Apart okay. from Colin, because Colin seems to want to go and jump into beta for some reason. Well, yes, I'm going to be hanging around the Gwent research base, which basically, because it's in the beta, you, re you clear your save and you're immediately given one billion credits uh, and you're able to buy anything you want. Ooh. So I'm going to just equip myself... And anybody who wants to shoot me in beta, you're welcome to try. Okay, so what exactly, I mean, we'll jump straight into it as a little aside. What have they changed so spectacularly that makes you want to do that? Uh, basically, they, um, they've given everybody class fire, you know, full access to all the engineer mods. And I really want to test uh, some of the, uh, I should put it, the, the gimbling uh, ah. the gimbling stuff which we'll probably talk in on later because yeah. uh, I've seen a few videos on that <laughs> okay cool um, before you kick off uh, if you want to join us as I said we are going to be live in game we're going to be hanging out outside uh, the orange sidewind in game and in case you're a first timer to the show uh, that would be the uh, civilian broadcast that's broadcast somewhere between uh, the planet lave and lave station should be easy to hit if you go into uh, the lave system it shows up quite nicely uh, if you can't get into game then we're also on the irc chat channel which you can access through laveradio.com forward slash live and of course we're also live on twitch.tv forward slash lave radio okay so Whilst I boot up the game, maybe we can go around and find out what you guys have been up to over the last week or so in the game, and also in your personal lives, because we're nosy like that. Uh, let's start off with Ben. Uh, as you had to say that, just I'm taking a jump. I and I said jump there. Jump, not done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, my, my eight-week and, what is it, Tuesday... Eight-week, four-day-old daughter is very definitely taking dumps, and she's awesome like that. So, oh, how's for her? Um, I've been also going to see the Storks, keeping it in a baby theme, uh, which was actually surprisingly funny for a kid's movie. Um, and most kid's movies are, are reasonably funny these days. Have yeah, a bit of they, they have gotten a lot better. Um, but I, this was, I've seen some which I've just thought I've just wasted two hours of my life. Whereas this actually had some very... It had some laugh-out moments for adults as well. Um, and especially any anyone who's a parent, anyone who's a forum dad, would recognise a lot of the humour that they were using. <laughs> Take a drink! Yeah. Oh, God, right. Um, Considering I'm on left blonde, I'll, I'll be half-cut by the oh, end Oh, you're on leffe! I, love, mm -hmm. I do like some leffe. Um, In-game, I've been doing the tutor, whatever the heck community goal where basically we were trading stuff 
and I've just net. I was in the top ten percent of that, and that's netted me a cool thirty six million. I was going to be doing the bounty hunting community goal this evening, but Fozzle wants me to come and play with him up in Lave, so I'm flying off there instead. No, you can do what you like, mate. I'm just going to go and hang around yep. outside. Lave. To be honest, hanging around outside of Lave is probably safer than me trying to fight whilst I am trying to at least appear edumacated on doing a show. <laughs> so, you know, it's Edu- probably safer. Edumacated, okay. Yeah. Okay, um, Colin, what have you been up to, bud? Uh, ooh, let's see. Uh, this week, I've mostly been playing uh, nursemaid. Unfortunately, my daughter was sick this week, so uh, I looked after her on Thursday, and lo and behold, I feel quite sick myself now. So There's yes, a shock. that's yeah, there is a shock. Uh, apart from that, um, you've probably noticed on the Lave Radio feed there is a new top shift out where, uh, as part of my little mini oculus thrift series uh i was testing the second uh piece of software to allow you to use an android handset and uh, a silly plastic headset and and immerse yourself in in virtual reality and this time i was testing the latest version of trinus which has improved immeasurably since the last time i looked at it so uh yes if if people would want to check that out that's that would be quite appreciated Okay, and for those people that aren't going to check it out, can you give a quick 20 seconds overview of exactly what the new setup is? The new setup is one bay, uh, one expensive Android Nexus 6 phone, one uh, 30 and a 15 pound headset, one 8 pound piece of software. Uh, it takes about half an hour to set up, uh, and then you have to adjust the headset quite a lot for to get it, your eyes used to it, and it, that. That is what really does take the time. Then after that, um, you basically you start the Trinus software uh, on your phone. You put the Trinus software in on the server. Then you kick off Elite Dangerous. Elite Dangerous picks up all the head tracking from your phone. And uh, you are able to play in full virtual reality. The only issue that I have with this system at the moment is the head tracking needs a little bit of work. Uh, and I think that's mostly down to the accelerators which are in the Android handset, which is not really Trinus's fault. But I was really surprised at how good uh, the resolution was on my screen. Okay, because when I've tried following your setups in the past, it's always been a bit jerky and a bit the lag on it's just made it sort of like a vomit comet. So has mm. this improved in the last sort of six to nine months since I've last played around with this stuff? Yes. Yeah, it actually improved a lot since the uh, the last the last one I did about three months ago, um, and there's been a couple of releases since then. And um, I will say at this moment in time, uh, go enjoy the video, but wait till Top Shift seventy four, and then <laughs> that will that will show you uh, some really surprising results. Cool. Intent. Okay, no, sounds great. Um, sounds like it might be the sort of thing where I want to jump back in and uh, start doing sort of <laughs> virtual reality on a shoestring uh, all over again. Yeah, typical Scotsman. I always try and find the cheapest option. <laughs> Quality talking about cheapest Scotsman. Uh, Grant, <laughs> what have you been up to this week? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can feel the festive love dripping off you like a knife. Um yeah, it's been it's been well, it's been a busy couple of weeks up here. We've been 
uh, getting a bedroom ready, so it involved dismantling a, a wardrobe and then fixing the massive holes we made <laughs> dismantling the wardrobe. <laughs> but it was finished, decoration finished on Saturday there, um, and I've also started my walking again. Um, so between my brother and I, we decided that we would both leave our houses and meet at the halfway point. And it turns out to be just shy of six miles uh, in total. So we meet up, they walk back to mine, I make dinner, we then have dinner, and then I take them home. And try to fit that into the everyday days is being challenging. You know, it's just there's so many things you want to try and get done. and But I'll get more done being alive for longer than I will. <laughs> <laughs> so for purely selfish, selfish health reasons, I'm going to continue to do the walking. I didn't do it today. Today I'm feeling absolutely lousy. But my legs are amazingly um, refreshed from... I think we did close to 9k, it's 9k three times last week, and then we did a little sort of 5k, and then I did a 7km seven, seven walk yesterday. Um, so today we didn't meet up because we're not doing anything until tomorrow when we're doing blind fittings and all kinds of other stuff tomorrow in the room to finish it due for bed delivery on Thursday. So yeah, it's all go in that respect. Christmas wind up, ugh, you know what it's like, you're just, you're just always chasing yourself anyway at Christmas time, aren't you? Um... And looking yeah, forward and having to it, seen. Sorry, yeah. go on. Well, no, it's, it's a difficult one for us this year because obviously we lost my gran and my aunt last mm-hmm. year. Oh, anyone got the number for the fuel rats? <laughs> Seriously? Oh no! <laughs> you no, you've I, not I, done I, the same thing I've done, have you, Grant? Just not paying attention and then trying to make a jump and it says you can't. All right, I better go to Galactic Mac and see if I can find a scoopable, <laughs> a scoopable um, within right, range. By the way. Lennon is asking, has Grant stopped dripping mustard all over the place yet? Does that mean anything to you, Grant? Mustard? No, not really. He says, he says, okay. Well, now you know, Lennon. What sort of videos have you been putting online, Grant? Oh, I know, I know, I know exactly what it means. On uh, the Drabble show. I found an interesting new program called, well, it's not a new, but a face rig. And it is extremely, very, very good actually in comparison to sort of things that you can do face recognition, eye tracking. And um, so for the entirety of the show, I was a hamburger with cheese. <laughs> and what? yeah, it wasn't uh, mustard, okay. it was cheese that was dripping. So as I talked, the mouth would open and cheese would drip. And it was quite disgusting. And you spent the entire show like that, did you? Yes, absolutely. It was the best one out of them. And it was one of these things where I thought it just adds a little you know, dimension to the show where I can jump and actually become a different character and use the voice box and do that. So, yeah, we've got lots of changes coming in the Abacadrabble show. We are hoping to introduce a new Simon section that isn't just making up facts about Karash. Um, <laughs> I thought they were it, true. No. <laughs> I think they were almost, <laughs> almost, um, yeah, um, yeah. No, they were definitely libelous. They just almost. <laughs> it's just well that Karash wasn't watching, and the the so yeah. It's I think Simuf is planning on introducing or reintroducing Friday night quiz show television shows into the the end of the Drabble show, so that we have a, a new section that he's hoping to develop and maybe possibly get ready for the likes of some of the conventions later on this year. Nice. Uh, I was going to say, actually, Grant, having seen pictures of your uh, your new bedroom, do you just want to explain what you've done on the uh, the wall, which is completely awesome? 
Right, okay, well, you know, it's very strange. My wife is obviously an artist, so that explains everything you're about to hear. <laughs> Hopefully. And um, she has been desperately trying to get a, an Alice in Wonderland-themed room, so she'd looked on the various different parts of the internet that that kind of person would go to and found murals and things to go up on the wall as wallpapers, which is way beyond any skill set I have. But fortunately, I've got a friend that can do it. And plastering the holes and then picking the colours and things, which I can do, and painting I could do, but this guy can do it ten times quicker. So he came out and we got the mural, and the thing was the height of the wall was too big for the paper, so we had to go for the next size up. And we did our sums wrong and calculated so i mean it's a, it's an unusual effect it looks brilliant but it was not intended it does look good. um and this mural is basically a classic uh, illustration from the original book of the mad hatter's tea party and it is across one wall but it doesn't quite fit so we decided that rather than chopping it and or being really clever and removing the words and putting them elsewhere on the paper we decided just to to bring the end of it off and along the next wall and out onto the next wall to make it kind of feel like the Mad Hatter was coming off the mural. And it looks amazing. And the the guy that does the decorating, he's he has done a number of things, including, um, for us in the past, a library kind of wallpaper and, he, oh, and a white brick wallpaper. And he doesn't swear so much. Um, not in our <laughs> company. But he seems to enjoy and relish the challenge of a wallpaper that really does make you want to die as you start putting it up and realising you can't put it up straight because then all the bricks will run off. <laughs> it does look amazing. It's a, it's a hell of an effect. It's, it's sort of like a 3D effect by going onto that other wall. Yeah, it brings it all forward. And we've got little um, toadstool seats to go in there. I... I, I, I uh... How do you feel my... about the fact that your new bedroom is going to be an Alice in, Wonder theme, uh, Alice in Wonderland themed bedroom? Well, it's quite straightforward. I've slept on the floor for nine years. I do not care one jot what the room looks like that I'll have my eyes closed in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually looking really quite awesome. So, I mean, okay, the, the one thing that does upset you is a teapot as a light shade. Um, <laughs> it's It's... You know, it's very arts and crafty, and she loves it, and that's the main thing. So, I've got my man cave where I can come and look at posters of starfields and ships and all kinds of bizarre things that I've picked up over the years. Uh, so, I've do I do have a sort of detox if need be. Mm. No, it looks great, mate, and fair play to you for uh, obviously doing what Susie, you know, has designed for such a long time. It uh, it does look amazing, if a little bit scary. Because uh, that's original. Uh, that original drawing is uh, it's, uh, it's definitely an art style. An art style that I wouldn't want to open my eyes to wake up to every morning. The thing is, you know, as, as an artist, she knows the colours that work together, and she knows what looks right. So it will always feel correct. So it doesn't jar you as something like this is a bit weird. Um, so it's quite natural feeling when you're in the room. It's lovely and warm. So I say we're looking forward to actually um, having a bedroom and. Actually, yeah, a bed? Sleeping off the floor? I, I just don't know. I'm going to be spoiled. Next week, you're not going to be able to wake me up. I'll still be in it. <laughs> cool. Okay, so why don't we uh, why don't we crash on? I've just about arrived at uh, the Orange Sidewinder in Lave. I don't know where you guys are currently hanging about, but um, let's jump into um, uh, some look at what development news we got. Oh, I suppose the big announcement is um, Elite Dangerous Horizons for PlayStation 4. Oh, yes. Um, now, hold on. Just a quick show of, a 
quick show of hands on the radio is not going to work. But um, Grant, you've got a PlayStation? Yep. Uh, ben, you got a PlayStation? My son has. Okay. Colin, you've got an Xbox, haven't you? Yep. Unlucky. <laughs> and I've got a PlayStation as well. So most of the late radio crew are going to be playing, I think, on the PlayStation 4. I know, Grant, you've got an Xbox as well, but we'll gloss over that. Um, what do we think? Do we uh, do we think it's a, a good thing? I mean, personally, from my point of view, I uh, I like the fact that this might be a very cheap way for me to get into uh, a decent level of virtual reality um, for uh, Elite Dangerous. But again, that hasn't been announced yet, has it? No, that's one thing that they've... Um... I mean, the two big questions that people asked about the whole thing was, is it going to be cross-play? To which we we know the answer is that uh, no. So unfortunately, PC players and Xbox players and PS4 players will all be playing in their own little instances. Can I just interject there a second, Colin? Uh-huh. The answer is no announcement at this time, but my God, every single left dead would love to do it. Oh, right. Well, I mean, this, that's the problem because um, my information came from Brett C to begin with. And he, he said, I said, nah, it's not, it's, we're going to keep it separate. Yeah. So, you know. I mean, the, but, the official line is, yes, it's definitely going to be kept separate, but I'm... I think this... this uh, yeah, this, I, I remember, I've spoken to Adam at, even as far back as EGX last year, and when I've been talking with the other FDevs at LaveCon and places like that, Every single one has said, "My God, we would so love to do it." So is, is that not just going to be polluting damn, it's the a gene, hard work? Polluting the gene pool. If it means I can play with more people, I'm up to play with more people. No, I think it'd be awesome. And, Cross platform would be excellent, but you do you do add the risks of sometimes when you've got a new platform, there's a simplistic exploit on it that you know can affect the PC market. So you've got people on PlayStation that are invulnerable and things along those lines. So it's mm. not as uh, simple as it would be as, it, as you'd love it to be, which is a case of they just appear and it's, that's it. That would be epic. It would be amazing if cross-platform was the standard. Um, I think you know, that's what we all want for, isn't it? It's what we all dream of is, you know, no matter what platform you're on, you can play against anybody anywhere. And it just brings everyone together rather than this kind of divisiveness. But we still play with the guys in the, the Hotbox team from Hutton truckers and we'll enjoy bringing in the uh, ps4 the mugs <laughs> ps4 the mugs i like it <laughs> um, yeah and anyway as i was saying before i was rudely interrupted by by people the second question <laughs> of course was this this thing about virtual reality and whether or not they can use the uh, the playstation headset and i'm a bit concerned about that because i don't know whether or not the playstation would be able to handle Elite Dangerous in virtual reality. What do you lot think? Yeah, so again, this is throwing open to a different point of view, isn't it? Um, a different topic, which is, you know, is Elite Dangerous really going to sort of work at optimum levels on the standard PlayStation, or is this going to be one of those things where the PlayStation Pro gets its, uh, you know, gets its teeth stuck into it, and maybe you could do virtual reality if you had the PlayStation Pro? It's PlayStation Pro, a new console coming out in the next... It is already out. Oh, it's already out, right. Well, you can tell that I have an Xbox and a PC, can't you? <laughs> so, yeah, so the PlayStation Pro uh, is basically... It's a souped-up version of the, the PlayStation that will allow you to play console gaming in um, 4K, and it also allows devs to 
do a PlayStation 4 Pro version of the game with much higher graphic levels and much sort of faster frame rates and things like that. I'm not really sure if it is faster frame rates, um, but certainly higher graphic levels and things like that, um, which makes me wonder whether or not it would be possible to do virtual reality on the PlayStation Pro, uh, but maybe not on your on your vanilla PlayStation 4. Well, if you can do the X-Wing Battlefront VR experience, I, I'm sure the guys at Frontier would be able to pull it out of the bag. Grant, what do you reckon? I think that, you know, that, that this new the PlayStation Pro is going to be the... It's, it's kind of billed as the one for the VR, isn't it? They're kind of wanting you to buy that with your VR headsets to take that kind of burden and load off the game, so... Yeah, I think we're going to have to, for elite purposes, it's going to be a case of, yeah, you can have a look at the VR, but only on the pro version, um, which is <laughs> only an extra 40 quid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you say it's a cheaper option, a, cho- you know, yeah. a cheaper option for VR. It, it's not, and even the Oculus now, when you're thinking, well, the Oculus is cheaper than the Vive, so the Oculus with Oculus Touch will be cheaper than the Vive. No. No, all these things find a new way of screwing your wallet at some point, and um, I think you know with the, the the touch. Although I'm hearing some wonderful reports back from the touch and Simuf, Commander Simuf is currently investigating and playing with a touch prior to uh, any conventions next year, so he will be an expert on that. Uh, but it certainly puts the price of the Oculus Plus Touch almost it, alongside the Vive. Is, is, uh, is that? It's three hundred pound for the the touch controllers, and then another six hundred pound for the the Oculus Rift itself. Yep. Wow. However, <laughs> however, one of this is again we're going to put aside. The Oculus Touch comes with another sensor, and with that second sensor, allows you to do room depth, so that you can actually. So it makes it comparable with the Vive, with a couple of little tricks up its sleeve that kind of make it slightly better than the current Vive is. Uh, but that's down to the way that the controllers work and the functions and features that they offer in gameplay, including the likes of expressions with your fingers. I don't think you can do two fingers up, but you can certainly point and you can certainly put your thumbs up and make a <laughs> pistol shape. Those are definitely included in it. Um, as for anything else, uh, they'll just remain to be seen. Things like catching and throwing, where you actually have to open your hand because it'll detect that your hand is open in order to throw and catch. That's... Again, more brain-bullying techniques. So it does sound like it's epic. Can't wait to have a shot myself. Uh, but the price barriers for all these things. So you're talking about the PlayStation Pros. What it's about three hundred quid as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a little bit more than that actually. So yeah, I don't know how much the uh, how much is the VR for the PlayStation. That's three hundred and two hundred and. It was a three hundred and fifty. I thought it was two hundred and fifty. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like apart from Colin's wonderful trickery, there doesn't seem to be a cheap way of getting into VR. When you think about it though, the the I mean, for if you're starting off on your basic platform, in order to play Elite Dangerous in VR, say in the PC option, you've got to get a decent spec PC mm-hmm. plus on top of that your um your Oculus Rift. Uh you know, that's gonna at least push you push it up one thousand five hundred to two thousand pounds. And then when you're talking mm-hmm. about the PlayStation Four, you're talking about a four hundred pound console uh, plus two hundred and fifty, so that's about six hundred. I think the PlayStation, if you were starting from scratch, the PlayStation would be the better option. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'd have to see how the performance and things on it. So I mean, it'd be quite mm. critical of uh, of the game. And the Xbox game works beautifully. It's that wonderful um, for for someone with a hot ass system. It's a nice way to sit back in your couch and and play. Although I can't play it because Susie thinks it makes her feel sick when I play it on the projector. No, really. Yeah, because I'm spinning because I fly like a flipping drunk man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, isn't the nice. um, the PlayStation isn't that only 720p as opposed to full HD on the uh, on the headset? I could be wrong. It's either that or it's a slightly different frame rate. It might be 90 frames per second as opposed to 120. Yeah, in fact, that's what it is. So it's a slightly reduced frame rate compared to the uh, the Oculus or the or the Vive. Which I think run at 120, and the uh, the PlayStation only runs at 90. Ben, I was just wondering, Grant. You said that the Oculus Touch you you can catch and throw things, but so I'm assuming the Oculus Touch isn't a couple of wands, something like that. That if I let go of them, they're going to fly through the TV screen. No, no, no. It's a, it's a kind of thing that fits in the palm of your hand. And kind of loops around your hand in that respect. So it's kind of like if you can imagine it sitting between comfortably a little switch switching between your thumb and your forefinger. Yeah, your index finger. Yeah, that's better. Forefinger, foreheads. Anyway, so it sits kind of in there, uh, which means that you can rest your thumb on it as a trigger and then you can pull your other finger across as a trigger. So if you can imagine it sitting almost like the, um, it's smaller than a, a gun handle, but sitting in that kind of position. So it can tell when your grip's there, and it can tell when you let go. So throwing and catching is kind of, you, you are going to have to open your hands to catch, and you're going to have to throw and let go in order to throw items. That's the And that's just the demo that comes with it, the setup demo. It introduces these features. They can be quite you know more impressive than games coming out. but So yeah, it's smaller than that, um, and it's not quite as big in aircraft landing. Has the Vive, <laughs> which are essentially large bubble blowing things. Okay, um, anything else that you guys are looking forward to about the uh, the PlayStation element of it? Obviously, more players coming into the universe is not a bad thing. More f- cash flow into Frontiers coffers is never a bad thing either. Um, can you see any other sort of potential upsides or downsides to it going to the PlayStation 4? Well, there was a bit of controversy on the forums, as there always is, where we have a lot of people complaining that um, the reason for the PlayStation 4 release is obviously why um, there's been so many delays this year. Or <laughs> really? They've not, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Frontier put up a, a robust performance saying, no, it's a separate team. They've got the console team and they've got their, their PC development team. And everything is developed first on the PC and then ported over to console. So um, it, did, it did seem that a lot of people then said, why don't you move programmers from the console team onto the PC team? And uh, as, as, as a developer myself, I know that that's adding more developers in the hope of swelling a team when they don't have experience of the system of developing that they're developing for, can be actually more of a hindrance than a than a boon until they're up to speed. But uh, oh, it, it it just got into a whole load of development arguments, and there's a lot of people there who think they know their, how to develop these kind of games. And when <laughs> it's Frontier who know how to develop this game, so everybody's an armchair tr- developer. 
Yeah, and I'd rather trust Frontier's development experience from what I've seen rather than um, somebody who says, well, I don't you? I just add a couple of more programmers. <laughs> Sorry. It was, a, it was rather a very childish conversation, which is why the funny voice came in. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Not only that, but it's also complete. You say get them up to speed. Yeah, but it's also a completely different skill set. You know, oh, the why? skills needed for being a console developer are totally and utterly like 10, 15 years of training different from somebody who, say, a server admin, from somebody who's a mission designer, from somebody who's an AI developer. You know, you c they're not just little cogs you can pick up and put in. Really? Because, I mean, you say that, and for most part, I probably agree with you, but as this is all being built on the Cobra engine, is it not just a question of, you know, if you have your head around the Cobra engine, how it works, then surely you it's not a massive jump? I mean, surely, okay, with other consoles and other game development, fine, but because this is all built around the Cobra engine, if everybody in-house in is trained on the Cobra engine, is it that big a jump to jump from Xbox to PlayStation 4 to, to PC? <laughs> Well, are you, same are you people who did sorry. the Xbox as did the PC, as did sorry, same people who did the Xbox as are doing the PS4 to a larger degree by the looks of things. I'm just thinking, Forza's so got still this the kind console of, people. Forza's got that no, kind no, of image in his, in, his, in his head that is like Word, where you just save as Xbox, <laughs> save, no. save as PS4, and it'll just export <laughs> the game, and that'll be it. <laughs> okay, yeah. fuck off. That, I'm not okay. that basic. <laughs> language <laughs> just just quickly that's just coming quickly. from me it's, it's fine that you can you can program and develop things in the cobra engine you still need the techniques and the ability to be able to get the cobra engine to talk to the hardware and that's that's where the real skills are sometimes they'll find stuff in the in the compilers that will move from uh you know the the xbox version that that it, the xbox will throw a wobbler which will work fine on the pc and you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't doubt that. I'm just thinking that because everything's built around the, the Cobra engine, it might be slightly easier to do what people are suggesting and throwing developers around uh, from team to team, as it might not be as easy to do that with Assassin's Creed or with. Oh yeah. well, we'll put it this way: um, the fact that they've got this, the the Cobra engine, is probably a big boon to them because doing this native for for each platform would probably drive people around the bend. And the cost would go up through the roof, but um, <laughs> it's not as simple as just saying, "Right, we'll just unplug this Xbox developer here and put him into <laughs> put him into the PC or the Mac team." <laughs> no, and I, I take that on board. Um, but I mean, has there been that much of an uproar from the community about the sort of delays? I, mean, I know there was at the time, but I thought the answer that Frontier gave in terms of, you know, let's just put it out when it's ready, and we wanted to focus on the quality. Yeah, I thought that was actually probably one of the best things that they could do, and I thought most people took that on board. I take it that's not been universally accepted. Well, I would say it is being the majority of people are accepting that, but there's an awful lot of uh, there's a very vocal minority, as per usual, that um, do seem to point out every single thing that goes wrong in the development process and why it's delayed, and you know because the original timetable were what we're six months out of what we were expecting to be at at this moment in time and they're all saying and you know people said well they shouldn't have been developing planet coast or they shouldn't have been developing the xbox version or they shouldn't have been you know that that kind of thing 
And mm. you know, I'm quite happy for you know the, the the current progress because what we're getting so far has been quite good. And uh, from what I understood from the PlayStation thing, we're going to have 2.3 before the PlayStation version is released. Yeah, and I don't know. I think it's a little bit short-sighted sometimes. Um, okay, so we, our update maybe takes a little bit longer, but in, ultimately, if Frontier can make more money from whatever revenue streams, be that Planet Coaster or you know, flogging more uh, paint jobs or whatever it is, it just means that we actually have more longevity built into this game. So I really do want to see out uh, Frontier's 10-year plan when it comes to the development of Elite Dangerous. And obviously, they need to keep the cash coming in in order to do that. So if we get a three-month delay, whatever it was, um, for an update to allow them to do... Yeah, you know, stuff like Planet Coaster or to make sure it was polished right so it gets good reviews. I'd much rather do that and see the game continue for 10 years than, uh, than have something you know, rushed out and everybody be up in arms about it. Well, yeah, you've got to remember how you know 2.0, when 2.0 came out, the fact that you could land on planets, everything was fine with that. But some of the missions that came with 2.0 were really, really badly, badly, well, not put together, but they didn't work as well as they could have done. Yeah. And a lot of people picked up on that, and that was one of the reasons why 2.1 was delayed so much, so they could actually make sure the quality was up there. Okay, and uh, final thing on the PlayStation 4 before we have a look at some of the other news that's coming out, uh, and that is the uh, the Hotass support for the PlayStation 4. Uh, obviously, there's a few uh, games that work with the Hotass at the moment with the PlayStation, as it's just a USB connection. Um, interesting, though, that uh, Brexy says that um, they have not announced any official support for any hot ass on the PlayStation 4 platform. Um, does that, be, do you think, because they haven't tested it all yet and it's not uh, not signed, sealed and delivered? Or do you think it's because they're concentrating and trying to get it working with the, you know, the bare bones PlayStation 4 controller? Ben? I have a conspiracy theory coming in here. But, <laughs> okay. you know, nothing that we ever do. But yeah, you know, so we've got this lovely T16,000 hot ass from Thrustmaster that Frontier just kind of got in bed with. I wouldn't say lovely, but yeah, I know it. Yeah, uh, I'd say lovely because I'm using it at the moment, so nah. Um, <laughs> but Thrustmaster have a experience doing PlayStation controllers with the uh, both the Thrustmaster Hot Ass X and the Thrustmaster Hot Ass 4 both work on the PS3 and the PS4, so I'm just landing it while I'm talking. I'm wondering if there is a chance, and the reason why nothing's been announced, is because there's going to be a equivalent of the Hot Ass, Hot Ass oh, T16000 Hot Ass M or whatever the hell it's called for the PlayStation that will be combining with Elite. You mean basically just a rebadging? Basically, yeah, this joystick that I'm using just now, make it all work on the PlayStation 4, just say, hey, why not? Um, yeah, well, it, uh, it would certainly sort of suit the stuff that Thrustmaster do in terms of just rebadging it and uh, putting a PlayStation 4 logo on it. Yeah, I could see them doing that, and I can see them maybe wanting to wait off and do a big sort of marketing push uh, and a big announcement with Thrustmaster saying, you know, this is the elite joystick sort of thing. So, yeah, so maybe you're right. Um but in the meantime, obviously, there are hot asses that work on the uh, the PlayStation. So I'd be very surprised if they don't build in some sort of support for one, uh, if it was just a technical thing. Agreed. Okay, let's have a look. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
bit of information about the the cross platform. Lots of people asking for it. So no information on it so far. Uh, let's jump into some of the other development news that's going on. So, um, how about uh, the beta? Now, I know Colin's just nipped off, and he's probably the only person that's actually done any sort of testing in beta. But uh, Ben Grant, have you had a chance to have a look through any of the the changes? Have you had a chance to uh, to mess about in beta yet? I've I've not been anywhere near the beta because I've been too busy trying to get some money back in the main game. Um, I've been reading the notes and things like that, and I've been hearing some feedback about the gimbal changes, which was something I was worried about, that basically even with D-rated um, scanners, the change is maybe not quite as bad as we were dreading. So it's not a complete nerf? It's not a complete nerf, but I don't have any direct experience, so hopefully when Colin gets back he can speak for reals about that. Okay, Grant, um, have you had any chance in the uh, playing the beta? Did he just say for reals? <laughs> <laughs> I did say for reals. That's why he got cut <clears throat> off. It had to be stopped at that point. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking Wolfpack um, for reals formation. If you've watched Storks, you'll know that's about. Um, it's a brain for. Oh, my game just crashed. Um, so yes. Um, I've not been into beta. I've downloaded beta already, but I've been doing this passenger mission because as a hut and trucker where we are currently in a nice new, one of our biggest systems to expand into ever called Epsilon Indy. And it's got something like 80 billion population. So we're trying to um, take it over, which is taking an awful lot of effort and open. So it's all all pilots to the systems there. So I'll get a chance of looking at beta once we crack the back of this one. Okay, and do you just want to put a shout out for any more people to come and help the uh, the Hutton truckers to take over that system? What sort of things could be they can do? Words. What sort of things well, could they be doing to help? It, it is really. I think we've just hit civil war. Um, excuse me. Um, civil war in the system, so it's um, combat at the moment in the combat zones and fighting for the truckers. So. We've got our, you know, our hot pit team keeps us all up to date and tells us what to do. Uh, by the time I get back there, it'll probably all be over. Oh, it looks like the game servers have gone down. Has everyone else been kicked out of the game yet? No, I I'm have, and so has um, Martin Goy on Twitch and Gooseful291 and mm, other folks. Oh, and Tuplex, yeah. So it's not just us. I'm still in the game. Nee. I'm obviously just getting rid of the riffraff, that's all. <laughs> apply apply scum filter. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I was just refueling after forgetting to go and scoop a star again. And ending up with a, a very, very small wedge of fuel left, thinking, I think I've blown it this time. And then I found the star. Scooper will just one jump away. I thought, phew. Uh, okay, well, what about uh, some of the other news? So the festive countdown started today. So for those people that aren't aware, there's going to be one rare paint job each day from the 13th of December all the way through to uh, Christmas Eve. And today's paint job was a wireframe python. So these paint jobs are going to be around until the 3rd of January. And after the 3rd of January, they're going to be withdrawn. Now, colour me a sceptic, but I've been bitten by these rare paint jobs before. <laughs> These limited editions, these you know, once in a lifetime purchase things, uh, just to see them pop up in things like the festive countdown. Now, is everybody happy to pay a little bit of money to get these air quotes uh, rare paint jobs these days, or is everybody now a bit skeptical like me? Well, I can see a message from the the uh, IRC um, saying so buying these from Commander Starion. So 
You know what? It's it's it, it's not coming down. I think originally we were buying in on the being sold on the point that it was a rare paint job. And we exactly. thought, oh well, we've got to get it. Now we're more on the lines of, I like that, I'll buy that, rather than rushing to get it because it's rare. So, you know, I think I think they've lost the kind of impetus on a rare skin uh, because, you know, the, the problem with the limited edition ones coming back out again for another run mean that you just didn't really feel that there was any exclusive exclusivity or any need to rush to buy them. So I might pick one up if I like the look of it. I might not. So what about actual... I know, massively off-topic, as always, but uh, are there actually any truly rare, unique, individual um, skins out in the game? I know there was one guy... I've forgotten who it is now. They're going to kill me for this, but... Uh, who took a personalized skin over one of the um, Kickstarter rewards, which was um, one of the, the 3D models. Uh, ben, I take it you probably know who that is. No, I don't know who that is, but yes, there are a couple of truly unique skins available in-game, yes. Um, I do believe... Am I right in thinking the Cobra wireframe has only been un- released once? So far. But with the Python wireframe coming out in the um, the first day of the uh, the festive countdown, might uh, reappear. I'm thinking Christmas uh, Christmas Eve might be the uh, the reemergence of the the Cobra Mark III wireframe. Might well be. And Grant breaking the fourth wall has just said what I was going to say. I also happen to know another couple of skins which, you know, at most three hundred odd people have got access to, which is the Lavecon skins. Yeah. So the Lavecon skins are pretty rare. Um, um. And super cool. Thank and you, Charles. Cool. We love you. Yes, we do indeed. Um, but the rest, I'd say the the <laughs> the elite, uh, the elite, the uh, the Cobra Mark III wireframe is the one that always springs to my mind because I can't remember how much was that a ten pound one that we paid for, or was it? I like think more? it was ten pound. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and we were sold that on the the premise that it was sort of a once in a lifetime offer. Uh, and I am just waiting for it to uh, to reappear. Uh, I don't even know if I'd be that upset if it did. Uh, I think I'd just chuckle to myself. I've had it for a couple of years. I've had some use out of it. So, yeah, I'd be all right. Well, I quite like it because it's almost like um, it's uh, it's like my funeral skin. So if there's ever a sort of a death in game or unfortunately a death out of the game where you actually go to one of these uh, memorial services and stuff, the the Cobra Mark III wireframe is a a fantastic skin uh, for that sort of thing. A bit morbid, but still... It works. Uh, any other sort of uh, skins? I'm I'm desperate to remember who it was that bought that um, that 3D model and then got his own unique skin because he he kitted it out as um, I think an RAF um, logo or the uh, Larian uh, the RAF um, monikers and stuff uh, on the ship. And I've seen it. I just can't remember for the life of me who it was. But I think that's unique only to him in game. So that's one truly unique skin that we know about. Uh, Colin's just got back. Colin, uh, we're just talking about the the skins, the uh, the festival countdown, festival festive countdown for skins. Oh uh, right. Just talking about how many skins are actually in game that are truly unique, as opposed to stuff that gets um, said it's you know rare or unique and then appears on the store for the next um, the next promotion they've got six months later. Well, isn't that? I mean, I don't know if you guys have covered this. But the the Cobra wireframe. Yeah, so that that's the one that we were. That's the one that's sort of we're waiting for it to reappear. 
because um, that's the one that was sort of a limited time, once in a lifetime offer. Um, but we're still wondering whether or not that's not going to make an appearance on the 24th of December this year. Wasn't there their silver? Uh, was, ah, was there, wasn't the there silver was. cobra as yeah. well? There was. I've got, I've, I've got the silver cobra. I've never seen that back again. The chrome cobra. Yeah, the chrome. Yeah. That's a good point. The amount of cobra skins that I have is, is absolutely shocking. <laughs> well, it is considering I, how many times do you fly a cobra these days? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I even went out and got PC Gamer because they gave away a free skin with it. Really? I missed yeah. that one. Oh, dear. Call yourself a fanboy. Never. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, has anybody bought today's wireframe? Anybody bought the the Python? No? Okay. No. <laughs> I know it's already in my uh, my catalogue, so there's no point in me buying it. But I'm curious to see what's on tomorrow's. I'm just looking that um, someone's point raised the point, uh, Max Ursa, that the Braben bobblehead was very limited. Yeah, I wish I'd bought the bloody Braben bobblehead. I did mean to, but I missed it. Um, <laughs> I would be happy for that to be a Christmas Eve uh, re-release as well. <laughs> you can't just do your Christmas shopping here online, Lewis. <laughs> to the frontier. <laughs> You can't tell me that Zach and Ed aren't listening to the show with a piece of paper and a pen scribbling down, oh, that's a good idea, we should do that. Or the Chrome one as well, yeah, we could bring that one back. At least Bozzer will buy it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm quite happy to have a cheeky Braven, as I call them. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a cheeky Braven. It would have to have a Santa's hat on it, though. It'd have to do something extra, take it to the next level. A bobblehead with a Santa's hat on. No, we're still waiting on the crash bobblehead. It's true, very true. Um, we've probably probably met that for as much as it's worth. Um, <laughs> shall we crash on and um, talk about our uh, our main topic uh, for this evening, which is actually the other sort of piece of news that came out in relation to the PlayStation 4 announcement, and that was the new Elite Dangerous Horizon trailer that uh, hit the interwebs and the uh, the feedback and some of the comments that were made on it. Um, so. The topic is that when the original Elite Dangerous trailer came out, it was extremely, what we've written down here is inauthentic. I'm not even sure if that is actually a word, but uh, inauthentic in representing real gameplay that you got from Elite Dangerous. It was very cool. It was very sort of arcadey, flying around and lots of things blowing up and lots of flying in between all these ships and everything else. It was you know, a spectacular, awesome trailer, but just some amazing music. But all of us that were currently going through all the... Um, the development cycle of the game had been watching it from the Kickstarter. We looked at the trailer and it's like, huh, that is a cool game and looks nothing like the game that we're currently playing. This trailer, however, also very, very cool. In fact, I think possibly the best trailer that we've seen for Elite Dangerous, but now much, much closer to the mark than the trailers that we've seen in the past. Um, first of all, let's go around and get everybody's uh, impressions of it, starting with uh, Colin. What do you think of the new trailer? Oh, um, absolutely loved it as usual. Um, it was it was so nice to see what looks like. Well, it actually, it looks like highly rendered footage. You know, um, basically in-game footage from 4K from 4K displays. I mean, um, uh, I love the the commanders have now got faces. You know, there's no none of these black face plate. Uh, uh, black face plates that are there anymore, and I've, I spotted three major, major little clues 
of what's going to be coming soon. Okay, and, hold that thought. We'll go on to that. Uh, in a bit. Um, but overall, loved it. Brilliant, Ben. Overall, loved it. Uh, like Colin, I might have gone overboard in how much I looked into it and relooked at it and zoomed in on certain areas, trying to look for things and thinking, "Is that that?" Okay, um, well, as I say, let's yeah. let's go on to that in detail. <laughs> but overall, you uh, you thought it was good. Uh, Do you think it actually reflects reflects the game that you're currently playing? It reflects the stylized version of the game, <laughs> sped up a fair chunk. <laughs> okay, Grant. I think yeah, it looked amazing. Uh, it was nice not to see people battling right outside stations, so that was a good start. <laughs> um, they tried to make you know they tried to make uh, mining look exciting. I'm not quite sure <laughs> they succeeded on that one, but <laughs> yeah, it was nice to sort of watch it and not have any of those jarring moments that made you grind your teeth going, ah, people are going to get pissed off if they're coming in for that. Um, <laughs> however, is it impressive? I don't, I don't know that, you know, is, is it, is that a game that, trailer that would make you come and play the game I'm not, I'm not sure if, it, if it's kind of been if it's brought anything significantly new to the kind of here's this game come and play it uh, you know it shows the gameplay and how pretty the game is and that's you know lovely but is it really an indication of how flipping dull it can be when you're on a <laughs> 12,000 light year jump in exploration it didn't really represent exploration out there in that one particularly well so I think it's it's nice, and of course the trailer's got to be exciting. You've got to hide all the crap bits. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I think of the kind of uh, snippets that you're getting from the likes of Star Citizen, they show things that are slightly more exciting with their first-person action, uh, actions and stuff. So uh, maybe we just have to be a bit more patient and remember we can play this game and it's released and we can have fun in it. And it does so many things so well. You've just got to find the people to play with, go and do it, and then just laugh your arses off for hours because this game just allows you to have that micro um, fun, that little bit of let's go down onto a planet and do sumo wrestling in SRVs. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the game, but it lets you do it because of how awesomely well it's thought out. So that's, the I suppose, the sandboxy side of things, which is epic. And I don't think it really represents sandboxy in that trailer, but I also haven't got a flipping clue how you make a trailer for something sandboxy. Yeah, I mean, they do say blaze your own trail. They do sort of uh, try and emphasise the fact that it is a sandbox universe, but the last time we complained about the trailer, I just remember that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time we complained about the trailer being inauthentic was just before it was released on the Xbox. Um, and that one had a much sort of more arcade feel about it. And in some respects, this one too also has an arcade feel about it. Do you think this is it's obviously in line with the PlayStation 4 um, announcement that they're trying to make it more sort of console friendly or, or something that's going to appeal to the the console um, the console players? Well, I mean, obviously CQC or Arena, as it's now called, was supposed to help out with you know if you wanted your quick pew pew you jump on that Mm -hmm. and to tell you the truth um i still jump in cqc every every now and again and have an absolute blast playing it um as far as you know uh the big 
exciting action and adventure sections in the main game, though, well, that's you have to go looking for it. So you've got to find a combat zone, or you've got to find a um, go on an assassination mission before you you get to that uh, bit of excitement which they're showing in the trailer. Okay, uh, you mentioned um, in the in the chat. You mentioned about the Gwent research base. Oh yes, um, well that's where I am at the moment in beta, and I must admit it's mental. <laughs> <laughs> It just in my instance alone, there's about 15 commanders, and they're all just blowing each other apart. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, and I take it that's is that one of the things you can see in the trailer? What other commanders blowing each other apart? No, because <laughs> there are. I mean, there's um, there's some interesting stills uh, that you can take uh, from that particular trailer. Um, from the mundane stuff, such as the, uh, I mean, there's a lot of walking around in ships. Okay, they're not walking, they're static, but in terms of the avatars that we're going to get, um, as you already alluded to, we're now, we're now actually commanders with faces as opposed to commanders with just black helmets on. Uh, but in one of the sections where it says blaze your own trails, you see your own commander, but you also look to the right. And that second pilot ship in a Cobra Mark III is actually taken up by a co-pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously links us towards um, multi-crew ships, and but also potentially just something even simpler than that is when you hire a crew member, it would be nice to see the crew member. Um, and maybe it's an indication of what we've got to come in the next uh, few months uh, in terms of that. But in terms of my immersion, I actually quite like the, the standing around looking at the cockpits and people looking out of the cockpits and, you know, telling a bit of the story of the commanders and stuff, um, as opposed to just the, the straightforward ship stuff. Um, anybody else notice anything interesting in the trailer? Well, like I said, there was three things, but I don't know whether or not anybody wants to, to discuss them yet. Yeah, by all means, crack on. Let's talk well, about your three things. Right, first three things. First one, 18 seconds into the trailer, you saw someone launching from an asteroid base. It wasn't a Coriolis. It was an asteroid base. Oh, my. Yes, it was. Yeah. Eighteen seconds in, it is an asteroid base. My word. Yes. Launch so that, your ship. Launch your <laughs> ship. Uh, and, yeah, that's, so that is an indication that, you know, those hollowed-out asteroid bases that um, Mr. Braben told yeah. you personally about. <laughs> well, in fairness, David said that you 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 launched something at the the asteroid and it melted the inside of the asteroid, and then you got your own private player base. Um, this was way back when. I don't know what you've been smoking at the time, but maybe it's an <laughs> indication as to yeah, maybe that's that. This is that vision um, come to fulfilment. Yeah, the the dev team going. He said what? He said what? <laughs> Get him off there! Get him off! <laughs> uh, the second one was obviously what looked like either. Now, there's a bit of debate on this one on the forums, whether or not it was actually a generation ship or a massive mega transport ship. Yeah. And that looks very much like one of the big, the big, um, <laughs> the big uh, destroyer class vessels from uh, Babylon 5 with the rotate, massive rotating sections and things like that. But uh, I do remember there's a bit of... Um, or what was it, artwork that was done, concept art. I think I've even got it somewhere somewhere on my uh, my desktop of the one of these massive mega freighters with 
um, canisters flying out everywhere. Yeah. And that's certainly what it looks like. I mean, you can see there's lots of what seem to be canisters on the side, but I mean, it's a throwback almost to the um, the frontier freighters that used to be parked outside of ships. And yeah. granted, they were long rectangles and stuff, and this one's got a cylinder at the end of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's massive. It would be fantastic to see some of these things parked outside stations. Mm. And the final thing is that if you look very, very carefully, uh, when you've got all the ships going off to jump, if you look sort of slightly off-centered towards the bottom, there is a ship there that everyone says is the Dolphin. Uh, okay. Because they, they were saying, no, look, that, that's an Orca. No, it's not an Orca. It doesn't have the fins. No, and I can see that as well. Um, for those people that are following that don't have the <laughs> don't have the um, the benefit of seeing all these screenshots, they will be linked into the uh, the show notes. Um, but yes, that is definitely um, not an orca. That does look like the dolphin, but mm, they'd really have to do something more with passenger missions to make me be excited about a, a passenger ship. Unfortunately, at the moment, um, let's have a look. See what else the people have uh, has spotted. Okay, so that's the main thing. There was the um, the connection in and out of your ship. That was the other thing that uh, w- was brought up. As you sit into your ship, there's sort of um, almost like a matrix-style connector that uh, mm-hmm. goes on the back of your uh, your pilot suit uh, and connects you to your ship, which is uh, an interesting sort isn't of that, facet. Isn't that the telepresence thing? Well, this is the thing, but it hasn't <laughs> been it hasn't been sort of talked about in stories or any of the fiction or any of the canon. How it is that you uh, that you link into all these things? So, I say the the thing in the chair, which looks like a socket that you lean back, you sit in the chair, and it's sort of connected up to, uh, very much like the things that go into your back in the Matrix. So it would be interesting to have a little bit more um, insight from uh, from Frontier as to what these connections are all about and how they actually interface with the pilot. Um. Just having a look at some of these other other screenshots. Yeah, I am, I am quite... Sorry, go on. Man looks up stuff on internet while podcasting. Yeah, really well, good. always good. <laughs> Welcome to Leave Radio the, Wiki. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the asteroid base is an interesting one. Going back to uh, way back when, to the... Oh, the development of the game. There was talk about there being bases in systems that um, you w- you didn't know you were there. They, you didn't know they were there uh, unless you either built up a certain amount of reputation with a faction, or you know you had a certain sort of reputation with pirates, and there were pirate bases that you could find to do some black market. Do we think that this could potentially be those hidden bases that are only going to be discoverable um, if you go looking for them, or do you think it's just going to be another? type of space station that you can um, jump into is you know, from the uh, from the menu well it probably will be sort of ones which are discoverable but personally I would prefer them uh, to be you know really off the beaten track so that once you've found one you basically got to use pen and paper to remember where it is so that only you know that it's there yeah I'd, I'd, li- I'd, I'd actually like that I mean obviously in, in the days of in these days of wiki that you've got now <laughs> that you'd just be able to go all oh, right fair enough um there's a look it up on the wiki or what was it the the galaxy ed 
yeah, ED Galaxy map or something like that. But um, it would be nice that sort of you could find a little part of the galaxy that's got activity going on and only you know about it. Ben, would you agree or disagree? No. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I do not think I should have to rely on a pen and paper to say where this is. Um, I have absolutely no issues at all of a base being discovered, and until you have discovered it, it's not showing up in any maps. But, sorry, if you think I'm going to write down that there is a base at the nine o'clock position in some ringed system you can nanas <laughs> yeah yeah on the other hand finding it then yeah that makes perfect sense but not don't make me write it down for god's sake <laughs> cool okay um isn't that what bookmarks is that is that not what bookmarks should be for yeah is that not exactly what bookmarks should be for so it keeps it in your uh, data only. Um, incidentally, <clears throat> and this is this is just only related to the fact that bookmarks should bookmarks remain when your ship is destroyed? Nah, should, you know we're talking realism <laughs> here. And, and and how come? You no, know, how... not my immersion. <laughs> well, just just know we with reality it takes you. You can't have instant ship transfer. Um, but if you were to jump out of your exploring uh, anaconda into an eagle, you manage to take the data with you. But if your your anaconda had been destroyed, you know you survive in and and make it back to your last station. But your data's lost. Um, hello, and also while I'm at it, Frontier, oi, that crash robbed me of my last bit of fuel. I was jumping to a scoopable star, and now I can't. Eh, ticket raised. They just they just they just <laughs> stranded me with my passenger and he stinks. So do you need the fuel rats now, Grant? No, I need front if it, no, if it was me, if it was my doing, not a problem. I wouldn't have an issue calling the fuel rats, but this is not my doing. This is a frontier glitch, and I've let them away with so many glitches in the last wee while that have cost me everything that I didn't get bothered by. You know, I've had explorations where I blew up. Um there was no reason for me to blow up. So I, and I let them go because they're fun. But no, this is my mission. I've been doing this for two flipping weeks. <laughs> Frontier can send it a wee guy with a little fuel scoop for me and just you know, bring me some petrol. <laughs> you, you demand Ed to come along and give you petrol personally, don't you? In fact, I've just now come up with exactly what the Hutton Truckers are going to do on his live stream for his 24-hour stream. <laughs> They're going to escort him personally with fuel and fuel transfers <laughs> out to me, and he's going to give me an apology in person. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Good luck with that one, then. <laughs> and sorry to the person oh, that reads that ticket. <laughs> oh, dear. Have we got the full Ouija on yet, have you? <laughs> Um, okay, before we move on, has anybody got anything else they want to pick up on from that particular trailer, or is everybody happy they've uh, they've talked the trailer to death? Good, okay, the, fine. Well, there was one thing that I... There's a shot of very, very, almost like firework-like explosions, and I I don't think I've ever seen that kind of guns and things like that before, but that's just me. No, I saw that as well, but I didn't really know what to comment on it. So uh, I think maybe we just watch the no space idea. and see. 
shiny explosions are good, I guess. Yeah, the shinier the better. Although these did look more like fireworks with them being green and red. But again, now we've got customizable lasers. It could just be a, an offshoot of that. Um, but okay, so Colin, whilst you're away, we touched briefly on the, the beta and we really did touch on it briefly because none of us have played it. So maybe you can give us a quick overview uh, of what exactly is going on in the beta and what the feedback's been so far. Well, we're already on beta 2. Uh, so it's uh, 2.203 beta 2. Uh, they've already put in a <laughs> so many changes, it's hard to keep track. Um, so far, they're, they're now looking at um, changing some of the benefits that you get from shield boosters. Uh, and basically, because what what they've found is that the big three ships, which is the Anaconda, the Ferdil, uh, the Anaconda, the Cutter, and the Imperial, the, the Corvette. Um, as well as the Ferdinands, they've got that many utility slots that people just stack shield boosters and shield boosters and shield boosters. And once those are all engineered up, it's impossible for anybody to shoot you <laughs> to do to even get through those shields. <laughs> so what they've proposed to do is that for every um, extra shield booster that you put in, you don't actually get the full 100% benefit. And the more shield boosters you put in, the less benefit you get. Okay. So, so what, the first one's 100, the second one's 80, the third one's 60 sort of thing? Or? Well, they, they, it's that kind of thing, yes. So they've decided to kind of scale it back. Uh, the, this is what the testing's about, is to, is to find out what's the best balance. And, uh, yeah, because we, we had, um, oh, was it, was it Commander Flint? He, he turned up in he, his, uh, his Corvette Run Leave station. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, and his, yeah. his shields were absolutely engineered to the max. And no matter what you hit him with, plasma generators, beam lasers, class four beam lasers, you could it it didn't do a thing. So you know, it, it's all part of the balancing thing that that's ongoing. And having seen some of the the complexities that are involved so far, um, yeah. Um, I think we're actually needing this beta just to to, to make sure everybody's got a, a, a more level playing field again. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I must admit, you're talking about that, and I wouldn't have the faintest idea how to use a shield boost. I'm that bad at combat. Um, I take it, <laughs> no, is no. this something that's going to make a difference to my game, or is this mainly sort of a, a player versus player um, well, mechanic? Well, you've got two different mechanics here. You've got shield boosters, and you've got... Um, Shield cells. Shield cells are really the ones that um, reignite your shields when you're in the middle of a dogfight. And I think a lot of people use them in PvP. Marshall would be the expert on that one. But yeah, shield boosters anybody can use because basically they boost your shield regardless. Right. By 4%, 8%. I think it's up to 20%. So you can imagine that if you've got four of those and you're T9 and you've got Class A um, shields then you know that booster is practically almost doubles your shield strength, and and no little sidewinder with poppy little <laughs> pulse lasers is going to get through it. <laughs> but on the subject of the big cargo vessels, they've upped the armor on the, all of them. So you know everything from the hauler up to the Type Nine, they've upped the armor on that so that basically the hull on the Type Nine is no longer paper thin. Right. So um, even when your shields go down. Uh, you've still got 
a, a reasonable chance. And uh, they've started putting in all the the military slots. Okay, so I saw this. So explain to me about the military slots. What are they going to entail as opposed to a normal slot? Well, these are actually brand new slots. They're they're not replacing anything, and they are slots which you will put in your hard point modif the the hard point modifiers and the shield boosters and the and the shield cells, uh, and effectively, these are things that make the um, the military ships uh, that much more combat savvy. That uh, they're, they're trying to make the specialized. It's a, it's a, say, for instance, you come across a, uh, a federal gunship. That federal gunship is its primary purpose is to destroy things. Yeah. Uh, so they they don't want they want that thing to be basically better than the equivalent multi role ship, which would probably be the Python. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what these these um, uh, military slots are. The downside is, of course, they draw more power because there's more slots that will draw more power, and they're not upping the the uh, the reactor. So you're not getting more power; you've just got more stuff to draw off it. Uh, and of course, it still generates heat. So you, you know you're still going to watch your heat management. And like I said, all the stuff that we're talking about in the beta, this is in here for testing. It's nothing is guaranteed to go through to the live game yet. Yeah. I dare say we should really get off our asses and go and do some uh, some actual testing of the game, uh, as opposed to just sitting back and letting other people do it for us. Uh, so I will be after after I've come off the stream, I will be jumping into beta as well uh, and having a quick look. Uh, what did you suggest that we did in the beta? We clear the save and we suddenly appear at Gwen Station. Yeah, you basically yeah be very careful that you do this just in the beta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would quit. I would definitely raise quit. Yeah, um, you'd be. I I had to double check myself. And right outside Gwent Bay, at the base at the moment, I've got about six or seven people all flying around in corvettes, vultures, the whole lot. And it's it's mental. We're all involved in big gunfights. <laughs> cool. No, I'm definitely going to jump into that after that. Although uh, uh, a big hello to Commander Massey, who's joined us outside the uh, the Orange Sidewinder, and is currently rubbing noses with me in his. Um, a clipper? Yeah, cutter. Imperial cutter. Um, okay, Ben, uh, you've been watching the, the stream today, just before we came on air. It was very nice of... Uh, was it Zach and... Uh... No, it were Ed and Adam Burkwaite and Dominic Corner. Uh, always so... nice for Frontier Developments to act as fluffers for our main show, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, Grant, how are, you, how are you describing this, Grant? Well, I said for people of our age, that's more sort of um, home care. <laughs> um, what were the uh, what were the main sort of uh, take homes from the the stream? I, I could see you were typing feverishly just before we came up on air. Um, yeah, I think I went off and added about another three pages of show notes. Um, but the takeaway is missions are blooming hard. Um, yeah, you might think it is just a you're doing a simple fetch return mission, but that I'm delivering five rats is actually so much more complicated than you would think it is. Um, and it gets into a bit of an example with it, but I won't bother because it's basically, you can either say it's a lot more complicated or you could take 10 minutes to say it's a lot more complicated. 
<laughs> okay. Well, what else were they? Uh, what else were they talking about? Obviously, it was the mission stream. So I take it they were Completely talking about missions. Um, missions all the time. What was mentioned about passenger missions in terms of risk reward and time taken and that sort of jazz? Well, I don't think there's anything about that actually. Um, really? What about mission stacking then? So, in mission stacking, basically, it's a there's no easy fix for it. Uh, but if you, you know, for example, the problem is basically, say you're doing a massacre mission and you've got one mission that says kill five uh, Hutton truckers, another one that says kill 10 Hutton truckers, another one says kill 15 Hutton truckers, another one that says kill 20. I go off and kill five Hutton truckers, which mission gets the credit for those kills? Mm-hmm. And at the moment, obviously, the answer is every single mission that you signed up to gets the credit for that kill. But that sounds like a win-win. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It means you can you know net a lot of money. You just go off and you know, I I was doing missions which was netting me say two or three million credits for killing forty odd people, um, all NPCs. I hasten to add. Um, so go off kill forty five NPCs and I get a couple of million for it. Plus, obviously, the bounty money for it as well. So you can make a lot of money very quickly. And actually, just taking this 10 seconds back into something that Colin was talking about with the advert being more realistic, I had several moments whilst I was winged up with four, four other, three other commanders, and some of the stuff we were doing while we were all winged up together was totally like some of the stuff they're doing in the adverts. It was awesome. Uh, it was just so much fun. It was, it was total... If I'd been recording it, it would have... Well, and I'd set the lighting up and everything up. It would have won an Oscar or something. It was great. Excellent. Okay. Anything else came from the uh, the stream? I mean, obviously, it's going to be in the show notes. So I, I noticed that we can we can bung all of your uh, your reporting of the stream into the show notes. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think. A lot of the questions, you know, they are they're interesting questions, but nothing really that's grabbing me apart from missions are blooming hard, balancing is hard. It's it's all very very hard. Oh, you mean the actual development of missions are hard? Yeah, yeah. Because I was there thinking, um, no, I'm finding missions quite easy, but yeah, no, the, <laughs> obviously, the writing them is different. Hard. Yeah. Um, Cool. Okay. Well, let's um, yeah. let's leave that there then, and go a little bit into um, well, let's just jump in straight into community corner and talking about um, again another topic, pretty much right up Colin's alley, and that's uh, PC gaming using the PlayStation virtual reality headset um, for another way of getting um, a cheap VR. Colin, what have you noticed about this? Actually, this this one's actually thrown me. <laughs> I missed this one. Oh really? I thought this was you putting this in the uh, the show notes. This this no, side Colin Ford's written all over it. Oh no, this this one wasn't me. I was the one who added it, but I I saw this and I thought this has totally got Colin all over it. <laughs> so Colin, interesting news, mate. Turns oh. out <laughs> that you can use the PlayStation virtual reality headset for PC He's trying gaming. this again. He's trying this again. The, the, uh, I've just seen this this here. TrinusVirtualReality.com PSVR. It does look like um, using the Trinus server, the, the Trinus software that I've got, 
you can now use that to play PC games using the place the PlayStation headset. It's an early stage of development, supports the Steam VR games without the VR controllers. Uh, and uh, yeah, full instructions are, are included here. So I think it's something that I will be looking at at a later point. But um, as I don't have a PlayStation, going down and getting a PlayStation headset without a PlayStation is a bit, well, <laughs> I'll have to leave that to someone else. Fair enough. Um I, I just love the fact that all these sort of um, sort of third-party developers and mods and stuff are out there uh, enhancing the game. And another one that's just sort of expanded its uh, usefulness is one that we're all very much familiar with, uh, who play Elite Dangerous, and that's Voice Attack. Uh, and the guy who's been doing Voice Attack's been messing around in his spare time and come up with uh, with panels uh, as a little plugin for for Voice Attack. Now, uh, I haven't personally done it, but I think there are other um, pieces of software out there that let you set up your own personal panels that work with Elite Dangerous uh, that you can run on tablets, iPads, you know, all that sort of jazz, your phone to give you extra keyboard inputs. Um, this looks like it's going to be a, uh, a version of that that just plugs into Voice Attack, which a lot of us already have running uh, as we play the game. Have you guys had a chance to look at this? I had a look at it and I think you've hit the nail exactly on the head. It's I can't remember the name of it. There's a I, but there is definitely something that I think it's used in some of the oh the Simpit stuff, where you've got an Android or an iOS tablet with say your lights on it or anything you want. Basically, you can customize your your tablet screen to be an in-game an, an in-game touch panel. Yeah, and it works very well. Yeah, it was um, more of the same. It was Stabler's brother. I know John hasn't been on the show for a while, but his brother Chris. Um, had quite a number of panels set up, um, and he used them all the time, uh, along with his uh, along with his hot ass, um, and raved about them. Uh, raved about the extra sort of panels, and I must admit, it's something that I always looked at and thought it was quite cool. Um, but yeah, so I say most of us are already using Voice Attack to some degree, so having that sort of functionality built into the same software, I think would be quite a cool thing. So it's definitely one I'm going to uh, be checking out in the not too distant future. Uh, looking at the rest of the community corner, Jupiter Hell has been kickstarted. Now, I have not backed this. I have not looked at this in any way, shape, or form. So someone's going to have to help me out here and tell me what the heck Jupiter Hell is. Darren Gray's doing it. Ah. Oh, come uh, on. You can't just say that as if, you know, that's the only important yeah, reason to back it. It's not. It's it's awesome, and and it looks so much fun, and I, I've backed it, and I, um, it looks great. It's, it's a roguelike game. With a decent sounding storyline behind it, it looks very, very fast paced. But because it's a roguelike, you can also take your time and you know, take it slowly and methodically and carefully. Um, they've got some awesome tech in it, which, and it's this is also in D Star Star M R L. Uh, yeah, that's right. Which used to be called Doom Doom Roguelike, but we're not allowed to call say the word Doom anymore. So nobody say the word Doom. <laughs> Right. Um, and it basically roguelikes go back to was it uh, was before NetApp Rogue was, they go back to the game Rogue, which was basically an ASCII uh, game. So it's an ASCII text gen- text based dungeon, which was procedurally generated, and you were like a little at symbol, 
and you could move up through the through the thing, and there were letters, and that represented other wizards and bad guys that you have to go and kill. And it, people really did get very very immersed in them. Um, now they've moved on a wee bit since then. <laughs> I, just, I just had a very funny message pop, Do you pop want to up get in my here, Grant? I just, I just had a very funny message pop up on my phone. It says, Fozza has bagged you for hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was expecting you to say your other message about your, your bug report, which I've been finding absolutely hilarious. No, we're not going to go into that one, no. Okay, for anyone who's wondering, poor Grant's bug report is should have called a few rats. <laughs> yeah. You have yeah. no luck, Grant. You really do. How far out were you this time? I was about I was about one thousand light years. One one evening. I was gonna get there tonight. I was gonna get there tonight. It's taking me two freaking weeks. <laughs> <laughs> How far out were you? I was about I was I was four and a half thousand light years away. Yeah, just just uh, just almost at the heart and soul nebula. <laughs> I should just say that if anybody wants to actually um, back uh, Jupiter Hell, it's only got fifty nine minutes left to go. So if anybody's listening live and they want to go and check out Jupiter Hell, then obviously put Jupiter Hell into uh, Google and check out their Kickstarter. As I say, uh, we have got some. Friends of the show who are involved in uh, in Jupiter Hell, Darren Gray uh, has been working on uh, Rogue Lights for a long, long time. He's got a lot of pedigree, and uh, they've currently got sixty eight thousand seven hundred and fifty one seven hundred and thirty nine. Who's just taking their pledge out? Uh, sixty eight thousand seven hundred and thirty nine uh, pounds. Sixty eight thousand seven hundred thirty nine pounds uh, of their pledge, which their goal was sixty thousand. So they're definitely funded. Uh, they've got 2,068 backers, and they've got an hour left to go. So check them out. You've got an hour to give them some money before it all closes down. Cool. Um, let's have a look. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, we've got some Anthony Hunt, who's put a simplified version of the wallpaper he's done, and where he works as a T-shirt. What T-shirt is this? Oh, that's the Lay Radio one. Very cool. Um, yeah, we probably shouldn't put that one out. Um, da, 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 da. Right. Anything else new with the other RPGs? Well, yes. Um, just to uh, bring everybody up to speed, um, the uh, Elite RPG, which we had on the show last week, um, they've had uh, a couple of updates on their website. Uh, these include um, cybernetics, personal combat, a story by by someone called Alan Stroud. Uh, anybody heard of him? No. Okay. Uh, and uh, some ship counters to use with the uh, the sample scenario they've put up. So things are progressing on uh, a pace on that one. Uh, it's still going to be about uh, the Kickstarter is supposed to start early next year. So. They've got a, a countdown on the website for that. Um, and just to um, highlight to people, that's not the only RPG that's that's 
uh, in production at the moment. There's still Elite Encounters by Dave Hughes. Um, that project is still ongoing. And, uh, uh, well, if you pop over to Sellison's uh, YouTube account and uh, daftworks.co.uk, you can find out the latest news of that there. That's, and that brings RPG news to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what the date was for the um, the Kickstarter for the, uh, for the new RPG. I know it's in January. I think it's what, January the 15th, 16th, 17th, something like that. Um. I think it is sort of a first or second week in January. They do have a counter on the on their website. Cool. Okay. Uh, has anybody got anything else they want to quickly chip in before we close the show? Well, yeah, there was this one thing that was on PC Gamer, and um, someone has gone and set up a VR setup, which. I, I can't. Um, I can't believe this. Their gaming rig for this VR setup is thirteen thousand dollars. It's effectively uh, an Intel Core i7. Yeah, an Nvidia Titan times two. Uh, water cooling uh, set. Uh, your water cooling setup. Hundred and twenty-eight gigabytes of internal RAM. And put it this way, they've got Elite Dangerous working at 4K and 8K in an Oculus Rift. Um, we'll put the link in uh, in the show notes. It's, it's You know how we, we think we've got more money than sense when it comes to Elite Dangerous? I'm not quite sure I've got $13,000 more money than sense. No, that is quite nuts, isn't it? Um, the question is, so they're playing this through. Uh, I don't have a 4K TV, so am I <laughs> going to actually be able to uh, see any benefit from watching their videos? Uh, well, no, because, you know, all we've got here is a YouTube video, but uh, the specs on it are, are pretty jaw-dropping. You can see you can see where the money went, but um, <laughs> it's one of those things, just like... Um, just like the VR experiences that I'm having, is that unless you're actually sat there and describing it, most people won't be able to see really what it's like. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how... Uh, I'm just having a quick look at the video and trying to figure out how much it looks different to, uh, to the setup that I've got here. And, yeah, fair enough, quite a bit. Um, <laughs> But I also haven't got thirteen thousand pounds. I'm. I would love to spend thirteen thousand pounds on uh, on a PC setup, but unfortunately, that is a that is a lottery win away. Yeah, I mean that's 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 sim pit level, isn't it? It really is, and and the rest. Yeah, uh, cool. few people have spent more than that on a on a spaceship and other space sims, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying that makes sense either. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Okay. Anybody else got anything they want to pimp out before we uh, before we close the show? Yeah, I, su- I suppose I should now come in with a groveling apology to cursing and swearing at <laughs> Frontier Developments who have moved me for a heartbreaking moment back to George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where I have to refuel and then send them an update to ticket and they will put me back where I was which I think is an extremely uh, very kind and awesome 
um, result. Thank you very much for your help. And we're going to give a big shout out to uh, Commander Una for your excellent and quick and prompt support. Thank you so much. So can you just say to them that, uh, yes, I've refilled my uh, my tanks and I was just sat outside Jack Station. So if you wouldn't mind putting me back at Jack Station, that would be yeah, that would be great. Well, yeah, but I'm not going to Jack's, so that would be very problematic. <laughs> and would be a lot worse for this passenger. passenger <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I tell you what, it's, it's, it's one of those moments of, oh, Oh no! What's happened when I logged in there and I was back at Jack? Uh, sorry, George Lucas Station. I'm just in there thinking, no, this is not what I wanted. This is the opposite. I just wanted a little splash of fuel. That I'm going to call the fuel rats <laughs> next time. Oh, but no, they, they've they've helped out. Thank you so much, support. You are as always awesome. Nice that someone's still there at uh, this time of the evening as well. They work harder than the fuel rats, I believe. <laughs> cool. Okay, Ben, you got anything else you want to add? No, I think I'm good, thanks. Perfect. Okay, well, I think we're all going to down tools, jump into the beta and head over to, uh, to Gwen Station and start shooting ourselves up. So if you're listening to this live, then by all means, jump into the beta and, uh, and show us how it's done. Uh, we'll be over there in probably the next 10 or 15 minutes, but... That's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can just by emailing info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter, or you can join the Discord channel by going to tinyurl.com forward slash Lave Radio. Uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, why not help us out on iTunes and pop us over, pop us over? Pop over onto iTunes and give us a review. It just helps us give a little bit more visibility to the show especially with people that are now starting to look up the, the game because it's coming out on PlayStation 4. If you'd like to join our TeamSpeak server, you can. We are teamspeak.laveradio.com. And, of course, we record Lave Radio live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and stream it out at laveradio.com forward slash live. Thanks to everybody that's joined us in-game. Thank you very much to Grant, Colin, and to Ben. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back. Galnet News Digest, 13th of December, 3302. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Ramtar left red-faced in leak conspiracy mix-up. Hopes grow for improved ship designs. An eternity of bounty hunting. Ramtar left red-faced in leak conspiracy mix-up. Further controversy surrounds beleaguered engineer Ram Tar after reports that he'd cracked the riddle of the ancient ruins turned out to be false. In a report that was widely circulated on the 9th of December, Tar was quoted as saying that he'd created a means of decrypting the data patterns in the mysterious glowing obelisks. He offered to provide the information free of charge to any pilot that visited a starport in the Mean system. However, the story was abruptly removed from Galnet after fact-checkers from Canon Interstellar proved the story to be wrong, or at least significantly premature. A red-faced tar retracted his statement and has admitted that the version of the algorithm he's working on will take at least four more weeks before it's ready to try out for real. A spokesman for Canon Interstellar joked that Tar's hypothesis may well work in a parallel universe, but it certainly doesn't work in this one. He also reminded pilots that given the advanced nature of the civilization that must have built the ruins, there must be other sites in the Sinuf sector waiting to be discovered. Hopes grow for improved ship designs. Product development teams from all the major ship manufacturers are reported to be working on enhancements to ship configurations that may be ready for market as early as January 3303. Amongst the highlights are greatly improved hull strength for all the popular trading ships from Lacon Spaceways. Zorgon Peterson is also rumoured to be making similar modifications to its low-end hauler-class spacecraft. While this will come as exciting news for traders, perhaps the most exciting news is that improvements are being made across the range of ships used by the military to allow extra reinforcement packages and shield cell banks to be fitted without impacting existing loadouts. Given the warlike rumblings emanating from both the Empire and the Federation, it's hardly surprising that combat enhancements are being developed, although it's not yet known if these changes can actually be implemented. Testing is reported to be continuing at an accelerated pace. A spokesman pointed out that Zorgon Peterson would not be permitted to add military module space to their top-of-the-range Ferdelance. He went on to say, These ships are not military specification and they're widely used by pirates and freelancers. I don't know why we even allow them to enter civilised space. An eternity of bounty hunting. With the completion of the Tutumu Confederacy appeal this morning, contributions to which were encouraged by a promise to enter all contributing pilots into a prize draw, 
there are two remaining ongoing community goals. One is the Colonia Migration Appeal, which is to encourage settlers to move to Colonia and to organise into political factions. Because of the distances, this appeal is likely to continue for several weeks more. Ten factions are expected to be elected to help run Colonia, depending on which proto-factions contribute the most. The other appeal is for bounty hunters in the Eternatus system to help restore order. This is progressing well, and the authorities believe there's a chance that it may finish ahead of its projected conclusion on Thursday. And that's this week's Galnet News. We read the Galnet News, so you don't have to.